Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy St. Saint- Patrick's Day. I... I doubt. Top of the morning to you, Jason. <laughs> and the rest of the day to you, sir. Um, Dan, Dan was just telling me that uh, there's already a bunch of drunk morons in downtown Slow. I took a stroll through, not a stroll, a quick little drive through the couple busy blocks of Hygera Street in downtown San Luis Obispo, and it's quite busy, quite green. Um, <laughs> a lot of. A lot of happy faces. Did you Saw see, some sad faces too. <laughs> did you see any vomiting? I did not. People that are already I saw like some consoling though, so. leaning on their neighbor. Yeah, you're gonna I, be okay. I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably by dinner time, you'll be just feeling yeah. awful, but better. I just don't have that that kind of desire in me to to want to get up really early in the morning and go drink and go drink beer. It's, well, uh, anything really, other than <laughs> coffee. I'll drink coffee in the morning. Yeah, maybe coffee, a little water, yeah. occasional OJ. OJ, yeah. Maybe yeah. put a little Irish Irish cream creamer yeah. in there or something. Yeah, like sure. Yeah, Why not? Maybe, maybe there you go. Yeah, it's, a, it's all right. It's a Saturday, right? <laughs> it's a Saturday. You can start your Saturday off like that. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, got a whole day to recover. <laughs> I've never once in my life done St. Patrick's Day drinking. That like just a, can't even be true. Yeah. You were in college once. But I, I was married in college. Yeah. I was already making... Surely you had a beer on a St. Patty's Day. Maybe not even knowing what day it was. Not. I'm talking about like, <laughs> like the intentional... pre-noon. Like pre-noon. Uh, yeah. Well... Never once. Yeah. I'm not a part of that club. Never once. Yeah. I was already making good decisions in college. <laughs> <laughs> Find it hard to drink a beer at 6.30 in the morning. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I've done that. You have. <laughs> oh well, see. Yeah, he go, he's he he's a fisherman. He, yeah, he did this. Like, wait, you did. <laughs> he did the celebrating, but not on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> the idea of getting up in the morning and heading with your, you know, a group of your closest friends to the bar scene in downtown—that's the part I think is odd. Yeah. If you are like, you know, yeah, like Dan said, you're fishing banging out sun is rising over here and you're okay. heading to your spot and yeah. just finished your coffee because you already you know your day started at 4 a.m oh, okay have a course light if you want that's fine you're fishing all right no big deal yeah i found it actually settles your stomach on the water a little bit possibly yeah. maybe for those of you who have stomach issues on the water yeah hmm so it's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it is. Um, which is awesome since like 103% of the world's population claims Irish heritage. <laughs> and um, it's 
Dan's birthday is creeping up on us. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's about 10 days away. Yeah. It is 10 days away. Next week, we're doing a rerun here on, on the Mortgage Matters. We are. So, okay. if, yeah. Yeah, we are. You're officially on notice. I'm on notice. Okay. Um, we'll uh, be out of town. Yeah, we'll be out of town celebrating Dan's 40th birthday. Awesome. Yeah. Woo. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It's exciting. I'm excited about it. It's a big one. I'm really where, where are you guys going? Where is everybody going? Going to Mexico. Awesome. Yeah. For a yeah. Long weekend. Long weekend. Just good for you. you know, have a little fun. Yeah. A little relaxation. You know, it's about 80, 85 degrees there right now. Mm-hmm. No rain. Have you no. been Have you been working on your base tan? By the way. <laughs> pretty hard around here <laughs> no <laughs> we're all gonna show up next to the pool and be like perfectly white. that's another thing it's a, bright it's, white as long as we're talking about things i don't have time for or yeah, interest yeah. in that would be another one sunbathing yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a hobby but you could easily garden with your shirt off yeah it's not that warm in february and march in moro bay pretty rainy especially this year it's been a little chilly pretty rainy yeah, that's nice. How about that week, huh? That was good. Good wet weather. And today, the skies parted. I don't know about Atascadero, but it's opening day Little League out on the coast. We were supposed to have opening day today, and I think because of the weather, they ultimately moved the whole thing next week. Oh, really? They which is they let us know yesterday during the rain uh, an email went out that it's going Rain on. or shine. It's going on and bring an umbrella. So, um, yeah, today's today's opening day out on the North Coast. Um, all the exciting. All the kids in uniform ready to take their first hacks of the season. So that's pretty fun. Should be fun, yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, what else is going on? March Madness, as I was yeah. reminded last weekend, uh, March Madness is the official beginning of spring home buying season and vasectomy season. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this wow. is new. Is this a new thing? No, it's yeah. true. He's, um, <laughs> Do tell. Please elaborate. There's a spike in vasectomies during March Madness because men, if they, if it's on their radar to get her done. They want to get it done and be like, oh, I have to sit on the couch and watch them basketball for <laughs> <Okay>. a week. <laughs> okay. okay. It's true. Wow. That's that's going to extremes to watch some basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how you know how I think I'd fake a sickness or something yeah, yeah. before I went. <laughs> you know, no, that's yeah. what so you probably have to be like you're in the market for it anyway. Okay. Well, when would yeah. you do it? You're not gonna do it on your birthday. You know, you don't want to do it on <clears throat> vacation days or something you do it when you could sit home i never watch. thought there was a strategy to the timing i but yeah. you know the more yeah. now, now that you're you forcing know. me to think about it yeah. I, you're like hey, that's sure, kinda yeah that's well, kind of does. may as well yeah. yeah it is some of the best uh i mean if you're into sports uh-huh. a couple of the best tv days of the year yeah. thursday and friday yeah that's exciting yeah. all day long watching those college kids just go at it and it's just it's exciting all it doesn't matter what how good those teams' records are when they play in this tournament. It's um, The games end up being really close and exciting. And um, as we saw last night, they can be quite shocking as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dan, Dan's <laughs> overall 
We have a winner. We have just a (laughs) a pool among friends. No money at stake. Just Just pride. You know, just how good are you at picking random winners of basketball tournaments? And I'm not good at it, apparently. I, I had Virginia to win the whole thing, and they became the first number one seed in NCAA history to lose to a 16. 16. Not only that, (laughs) they were the number one overall seed in a field of 68 teams. Wow. And they lost badly last night. Wow. Yeah, it was. It It wasn't even close. They were throwing up some ugly shots. Shame, shame, shame. Good thing I have no money on it. (laughs) I reminded Jason that this is exactly why I don't bet on sports. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's so unpredictable sports. That's why that's why we play the games, right? Telling you. You never know. Yeah, yeah. the underdog comes from behind a lot. Yeah. So there you go. So the anyway. one predicted to win. Now that doesn't. Now that we've caught you up on the world of sports. <laughs> yeah. What else? What else? It's exciting. Um I'll I'll give you one more. Oh, okay. The Atascadero Central Coast Lending Office is done and open and decorated. It's relocated. Yeah. When you say done. Yeah. Relocated. Well, the new office is done going through the improvements. Yeah. And we've now officially moved. Improvements and moving and all that. Yeah. So we have a brand new location. We used to be right on the uh, Sunken Gardens corner of East Mall, but now we've moved to Morrow Road. Yep. 7075 Morrow Road in Atascadero. It's essentially the intersection of Atascadero. Atascadero Road and Morrow yeah, Road. Yeah, and Morrow Road yeah. right there. A great little complex. We're next to, um, happen, just so happens to be the chiropractor that I like. We share a building with. And then we've got... Uh, There's Fidelity, Fidelity National Title. And Allstate Insurance. Yep. And then Dr. Freeman, who's one of the... Um, premier orthodontist in the county. And that's the building that faces Atascadero Road. Mm -hmm. And there's one more building over there, and I'm not sure who's in that. That was the one that was recently purchased. But anyways, great little complex. And um, liking all the neighbors, we got some... It's a nice, bright office. Good place to get work done. Yeah. Yeah. I have yet to see it's finished condition i was supposed to go up this week but the weather didn't cooperate with me and there was a lot of basketball to watch and then of (laughs) course you had to do payroll i I made some excuses for you in my (laughs) own mind it was payroll day and stuff there was a lot going on yeah it was a busy week and speaking of busy weeks we're halfway through the month i pulled a funding report yesterday we're on on track for a pretty good busy month which yeah, is um, this year has really gotten off to a fast it's start surprising me is it surprising you i think we talked about this last week yeah i've talked about it a little bit <laughs> i mean really if i look back since the beginning of last year it's been a steady increase in production and what's interesting is during that time we've seen a significant shift in the type of uh, loan applications that are coming in the door, it shifted at the first f- three, four, five months of last year. It was a, definitely more weighted in refinance activity. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere around middle of the year, rates moved up enough where we saw refis kind of slow down and purchase activity take over. And that's con- that trend has continued. We're still seeing about 
uh, two-thirds of the applications coming in are purchase applications. Um, so you would think that with the refinance activity slowing down, um, that overall volume would slow down, but that's just not the case. Overall volume's picking up. So either there's either we're growing or there's just more people interested in buying homes right now or a combination of both. Well, and, and right right in the face of these higher interest rates too is you know i you can't help but expect that when when you've got an increasing rate environment you know things are rates are going up we're um i keep trying to remind myself to to use the uh the term normalizing you know as rates are going back to normal uh we're just we're in that cycle right now we've got you know, thirty-year fixed has found its new comfort zone right now is right around four and a half percent, depending on your scenario, um, and that's up. You know, that's up from where we finished out. Twenty seventeen was close to four, and it it trended, you know, kind of in that little four range for most of last year. So I, I am just personally kind of. Uh, impressed and relieved that with rates going up a little bit things still seem to be moving fine doing fine volumes fine um you know there's uh still a shortage out there you know we're not i'm not seeing lots more choices of things sitting on the market um i actually saw in uh patterson realty's newspaper ad they they have you know, they show a couple of the listings they offer, a couple of their agents, and they have some market statistics. Um, it showed that over the last three years, 2016, 2017, and this year, same month, so year over year number here, um, that listings are actually down each year. Um, so there's less less on the market today than there was last year, and there last year was less than the year before. So, yeah, it those things would lead you to believe there'd be less loan activity, you know, less to buy, less refinancing. But here we are seeing a very active first part of the year. Well, I like to think too that, you know, our our company's a little bit special. There's a there's a culture there and a pretty high caliber person there with with uh a lot of really valuable relationships. So you know, of course, you're going to brag about it like it's your your boy, right? But I, uh, you know, I really do feel that part of us being able to buck those trends. You know, we when the industry's down thirty percent, we last year we were you know off by like eight percent, and so I, of course, I'm going to make that jump of like, well, that's because we're a quality organization. We're going to do a little bit better than the trend. And I think the other thing is that. Here on the Central Coast, this market is kind of that way too. You know, there's there's never much sitting around around here. You know, if yeah. there's somebody needs to sell a house, it sells pretty quick unless it's radically overpriced. And you know, I keep seeing that on on my side. The the move up buyers that we counsel will see them come in. They have a home that they want to sell, and they're they're getting their ducks in a row to be able to figure out how do I sell my home, get that money out for my down payment, and buy my next home. And um, it's pretty predictable, you know, it's like one of the strategies that we'd kind of work on lately is if you can get a 45 day ish 
purchase together on the house that you want, making it contingent upon selling your house, and then it gives you a couple, you know, it gives you two weeks to get your house into a 30-day escrow. You can count on that right now. You can, if you have a house ready to go on the market and you're pricing it correctly, you can still count on getting the, you know, pretty much your asking price, again, if it's well-priced, in a two-week period. So you could do a 45-day escrow on your purchase, get that in contract, then get on the market and shoot for a 30-day escrow on your sale, line those timelines up pretty stinking good. It just, the, that, the market feels dependable that way. Not seeing like long marketing times with reduced prices and things like that. So still feels like a good market, feels like a strong market. Yeah. And I've been wondering too, if, if the recent increase in interest rates has, you know, continued to motivate people, um, reminding them that this low interest rate environment isn't a forever thing. It's, it's something that's, that's not going to, you know, it's changing already and it's probably going to continue to change for, you know, moving higher. Um, you know, do people see their window shutting a little bit as far as their ability to get in and buy that home um, as prices have continued to go, go up? And now we're seeing interest rates go up. So overall cost to finance will be higher. Um, so maybe those factors are playing into people just, you know, feeling like they need to if if they're going to do it now, they got to do it sooner than later. Yeah, I th- I'm sure there's some of that to some degree. People are looking at this, you know, you you hear the feds, you hear this noise, right? That we're going to get three rate hikes this year. We've had a couple of um, mentions of potentially four rate hikes. We're so gonna find out next week. Yeah. Next Wednesday is the, the announcement. Mar- yeah. We're getting the March meeting announcement. Uh, almost for sure. Yeah. Like, I, you would, you'd have to be shocked if you didn't have a, a rate hike come out next week. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, I think people are expecting that interest rates are to go up. We're uh, They're going to be heading back to normal. We spent like so long here with interest rates so far below normal for a variety of reasons, a ton of stimulus. Uh, and we're just we're kind of normalizing right now. But as a reminder, you know, I tell myself this and I like to tell others this. The interest rate changing from four to four and a half percent on a four hundred thousand dollar loan changes the payment by about one hundred and fifteen bucks a month. So not a huge amount. It's not huge when you're thinking about a four hundred thousand dollar loan. And what's the overall payment number? Uh, about two thousand twenty two hundred bucks or something. If you're talking just the principal and interest part on a four hundred thousand dollar loan at four and a half percent, it's two thousand twenty seven dollars basically. So yeah, a so, hundred dollar change on a two thousand dollar payment isn't huge. No, it's not. It's not the end of the world, you know. Um, so that that's the other thing too. You gotta you gotta remember whether you're a consumer or somebody that's in this in this crazy business for a living that um, it's all about a mindset. Where'd you what your what your expectations are? What your affordability is? And 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 generally speaking, if if a hundred bucks a month is making or breaking you as you're staring down the barrel of whether or not you're buying a home, maybe you should, maybe you're in the wrong, you know, you're Price making category yeah, or, something. or something, something's yeah. going on. Um, you know, and, and not to suggest that a hundred dollars a month is not a lot of money. I, I recognize that that is a lot of money, but I'm just saying in the, in the broad scheme, it's, it's pretty inconsequential. 
you could probably you know negotiate for a seller credit or a slight reduction or something and make that hundred bucks up some other way yeah yeah break time wake up jim <laughs> no coffee this morning Uh-oh. why yeah the coffee pods are gone oh, oh dude yeah. i would have brought you one had no, i known you. that it's okay i'll make it there was such a supply down there. I know. Like down below. Did you look down below down there? I'm going to have to look down below again, I think. So Maybe you, I'll run downstairs to the soda so machine. So you had to there get up go. this morning and sit here and yeah. listen to talk radio all morning in that comfy reclining chair. And I've got the nice not, warm sun beating in behind me now. no coffee? No coffee. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> here I am. But I'm alive. I'm working. All right, we're going to do the uh, first commercial break here of the hour. I'm looking around. Where is the clock today? It's right behind you. It's behind you. It's I been there for it. a while. Yeah. There was one here. Oh, I can move ish. it. No, yeah, I just... mean, I got one here. You know how it is, though, so you yeah. just get used to uh, uh-huh. looking to the thing that's been there before. Yeah. Anyway. Commercial <laughs> it's, it's break. It's great for Dan. Dan yeah, can see it. Dan, it's right, right there. Right well, there. maybe we'll let you drive. Well, <laughs> right. You can get us in and well, out Well, it's 927, <laughs> and it's time for a break. So we're going to do that right now, and we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
In honor of today's holiday, Jason volunteered to do the rest of the show with his best Irish accent. <laughs> Jason O'Grody. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> Let me just tell you I'd that. I'd love to see you do. Try to keep it up for an hour and a half. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, tell you when I... When I was in high school, I worked at Subway for a minute. That was fun. I was a sandwich artist at mm. Subway. Yeah. My Here's what happened, in case you're wondering <laughs> how this happened. Yeah, how does this tie into the St. Patrick's Day holiday? My dad, well, no, oh, okay. accents. Okay. My dad came home and said, oh, I know the gal that's the, you know, they are opening a brand new Subway in Big Bear. It was a big deal. They didn't, we didn't have those um kind of franchisey restaurants around so getting mm-hmm. a subway was a big deal. Yeah. My dad said, "No, the gal that got hired to manage the subway." So that's great. So yeah, I got you a job there. <laughs> no. Thanks, you dad. Didn't know I even Thank, wanted one. Thanks, dad. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when when the big man pulls strings for you, uh, better get her done. Uh, so I started working down at the subway. I hated that job so bad. Oh. <laughs> uh, so bad but yeah there there was a few goofballs that worked there and um there were times when you were to like the entire staff there would make sandwiches in weird accents and and try to try to keep a straight face and do it like through the you know somebody's entire visit uh, I, irish is one of the harder ones irish yeah yeah so you're Irish, right? Yes. Why'd uh, you hesitate? <laughs> Not sure what the follow-up got to that's quite a, be. Yeah, I got quite a bit of Irish in me, yes. Yeah. Yes. What's the story about St. Patrick's Day? What What is today? Well, it's it's a drinking day, basically. <laughs> but um, he didn't actually drive the snakes out of Ireland. No? Yes, no, that's one of the things, but... Um, I don't know. Just, it's a feast. A feast. A feast day? Yeah. In or Ireland. St. Patrick. It's, it's an honor day for him in, in Ireland. Hmm. But he didn't actually drive the snakes out of Ireland, like they say. Hmm. But, um, yeah. Sweet. He's the, he's the, I'm not sure what he is the patron saint of, but he's the saint of something. Yeah, he's a saint. Yeah. What is he, the the saint of beer. <laughs> yeah, of Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. What is uh, – I'll see if I can find that. Maybe one, of our, maybe one of our listeners call in and tell us this. Bring us up to speed here on, on St. Patrick's Day. Hmm. Um, so I got – I, I gathered up my data yesterday, and then uh, I was dissatisfied with with what I got together. Kind oh, of yeah. a kind of a lightish news week. I mean, there's there's news, but some yeah. of it's like things you know, things the that primary are, saint of Ireland. I'm sorry, I pause, yeah, the prim- primary primary saint of Ireland. It's good. Yeah, no, you don't want to be a secondary. No, saint. you know, we, it's like the vice. Yeah, you're the primary. You're the one in charge. The vice, right. yeah, you can phone it in. And not even come into work, and nobody cares. No, no spotlight on you. Yeah, no. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. Plays the primary state of Bylor. There we are. Well, Jason, we did have a couple of things. Yeah. We had some inflation indices. We had the CPI and PPI. So those are always something that we're those were looking the big at. deal. So I yeah. got those on my sheet, right? Okay. And then the other one I wrote, you know, quick little blurb here about retail sales. Mm-hmm. And then it was a punt. Wasn't much else in there that yeah. that is like the things we talk about that matter too much that are market moving. You know, the <coughs> Dow, NASDAQ, S&P 500, um, we're all basically slightly down this week. The bond market um, for... Basically about flat, if anything, slightly down this week. And interest rates for the first time in a few weeks weren't very volatile this week. Um, were basically flat or a little bit improved. So Perhaps Wall Street was also sh- taking some time off to watch March Madness. Could know. be. Could be. There were um, a couple of items related to economics, but political in nature with the replacement of Gary Cohn with Larry Kudlow, someone who we've seen plenty of on CNBC um, as the new national economic chairman. I believe that's his official title. Um, Basically the chief economist. I read, I read yesterday they said, and it was a surprise because he was against the tariffs. And I was like, (laughs) Okay, if you had used that, so Gary Cohn. (laughs) But if you had used that as the sort of like, okay, get in an eligibility line over here. Everybody in favor of tariffs, line up here. Uh, It'd be a a short line. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) was against the tariffs. So yeah, we had that news that we could talk about a little bit. There's also, it sounds like as early as next week, a new round of tariffs aimed at um, aimed at China. And goods produced in China. So yeah, when we talked tariffs, was it last week or two weeks ago? You brought up that you know our our neighboring friends, Canada and Mexico, were probably you know I didn't I was almost going to say the the greatest stake, but clearly it's China. But found out now basically that Mexico and Canada are being exempted, exempted. for the time being. Yeah, as NAFTA is renegotiated. So it's going to, right. Basically, like, you know, get it right in this trade agreement. Um, But China. Well, and yeah. So I don't know where we want to begin. There's, there are a few things to talk about. Uh, Well, let's go, let's go back to the beginning. We were talking about rates a minute ago. Okay. And, you know, we've actually seen a little easing as far as mortgage rates go, yeah. I would say, in the last week or two. Um, and inflation sure has something to do with it. Um, well, there was a lot of worry, right? I mean, really, this whole run up in interest rates was based on inflationary fears due to a very strong wage inflation component of the, of the um, jobs report in February. We've now had the jobs report in March and and saw that that wage inflation component did not keep up at an above expect, expectations pace. Um, so now I think that fear has subsided a little bit. You know, there, sure. when we saw 2.8 percent wage growth in that February report, 
there was concern. Oh, oh boy, is is inflation now here and here in a big way? Is if, it is yeah. it going to exceed expectations? Is that going to be a problem? But then we saw, I think the year over year wage growth was down to what we've been more used to. It's about two point five, two point six percent. Right. So I think that that fear went away. But that that was what initially started this quarter to half point run up in rates. Yeah, and at the same time too, there's such a relationship there between. When you're talking about inflation, we go through those numbers. Producer price index um, came out this week showing that prices rose 0.2%, a little bit above expectations of 0.1%. January was unrevised, still at 0.4%. So the core rate, minus food and energy, for those of you that don't eat or drive, um, increased by 0.2% in line with the forecast. Um, so it sounds like inflation right there really seems like it's just kind of chugging along, behaving in that range where it's been and expected to be. But you saw that the previous reading was higher than expected. Yeah. So again, that, that's where all that fear came from. Yeah, exactly. Um, 2.8% higher. So anyhow... Um, that, that inflation trend is not advancing at an alarming rate, causing the feds to contemplate raising rates four plus times this year. So those numbers make us believe that we are, uh, heading along the trend line, probably right where we should be and probably support that you'll, you know, if everything stays consistent that you probably see three rate hikes this year and then consumer prices similarly were up uh 0.2 percent both the the regular re- what's the non-core reading the regular cpi uh, and the core they were both up 0.2 percent so apparently food and energy didn't have a measurable impact on that rate so when uh-huh. we're when we're talking about that that jobs component, that hourly earnings, mm-hmm. talking about you know the the next part of that conversation has to slip into retail sales, right? That's sure. A big part. What of, are people doing with yeah, their yeah? What are you doing income? with this extra money you're now making? <laughs> right. Um, and retail sales lately, if you've been tracking along, have been somewhat weak and a little bit disappointing. Um, we were had a 3% decline in January and so we just got our read now at at um minus 0.1%. So still kind of weak there. Makes you wonder with full employment. We're at full employment, right? Well, a whole bunch of people came out of the woodwork last week which led to a strong Jobs added for the month of February, but no change to the actual unemployment rate itself. So, you know, as much as we think we're at full employment, there's still people who are entering the labor force. Sure. And 4% in an economy of this scale is going to be a pretty stubborn number, I think. Probably. (laughs) Probably. It's hard to get... You know, it's hard to get much lower than 4%. And yeah, what you know, you're talking about that participation rate. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, at my uh, real estate meeting on Tuesday, this question came up and we started talking about it. Um, a gal asked the question, well, how do you add 330,000 jobs in a month 
beating expectations wildly by 30 to 40 percent, how do you add that many jobs and not have the unemployment rate drop? More people participating. Um, So that weren't previously. That weren't previously. Exactly. So these are, I mean, it's fascinating to think about, but somewhere out there you got like somebody who's just kicking back, watching the economy, got this, the savings is good. The Bitcoin investments are through the roof. So just mm-hmm. the pressure to work and it's not that great. You know, I look at the, I look through the blinds at the labor market and I go, ah, Bitcoin's doing it for me. I don't need to work. I'm not, it looks like a mess out there. They're not making enough money. They're not, they're not profitable enough. They can't afford me yet. I'm going to, I'm going to go back and watch some more Netflix and live off the Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden, here you go. In in February, the people come out of the woodwork. Hey, the job market looks good. I want in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. that's fascinating. Another comment that I have about the retail sales, you know, we've we've heard a lot about the tax cuts and how they're going to affect our paychecks beginning in February. Yeah. Right? It's that's what the president keeps saying. That's what other people keep saying is that in February you're gonna see a change to your paycheck. I do I've seen the paychecks. Paychecks didn't change in February. So did I misunderstand how well, you're the, the guy, tax cut was going to be? You're the guy impact? doing the withholding, right? Yeah, but the withholding is calculated by the software. Did you download the update? Yes. Updates downloaded. <laughs> Dan, I don't know. All I know is I was told by the president that everyone's going to have a little bit bigger paycheck every I was time. expecting to see a difference in the net number to employees. And I, I don't know. Maybe I do so need there, to call up uh, QuickBooks and ask them what I'm doing wrong. So there's a salaried employee who's been getting a check that's been consistent and you would expect that come february they're supposed to have a little bit more take home right isn't that what we were led that's what i thought was going to happen so if that's not happening the way i thought it was or maybe i'm just doing it wrong maybe other employers are doing it wrong too and it's not resulting in bigger patients i'm just i don't understand because i thought it was pretty clear what was supposed to happen um we've got someone calling maybe they know (laughs) <laughs> Maybe they don't even want to talk about that topic. I don't know. We've got Anthony calling from San Luis Obispo. Good morning. Hi. How you, how you guys doing? Pretty good. How about you? All right. Uh, did a little different topic about qualify for a home, but on sure. your topic, um, I'm self-employed and I have 20 employees, a little over 20 employees, uh, and I haven't seen a difference in their checks either. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe you're using QuickBooks, too, and we both didn't get the update. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, Try to figure that out. We've used a variety of things uh, over the years, but, uh, yeah, there's no change. Okay. Glad it's not just Um, me. A qualifying question for you, though. Sure. Uh, I haven't used credit that much. I've bought and paid for everything, you know, uh, with with money that I've earned from my business. Um. So I recently, my credit score was about 640 with no debt. Um, I just had car loans that I've paid off uh, over the years, and I usually pay them off pretty quickly. Um, but I recently got a credit card, and it said my score should rise uh, to 715-ish, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Because of that, should I wait for two purchases, one for a home and one for a car, um, for different reasons. One for the home, if I, my credit score is 
far or above 700, does that make a big difference in the interest rates? You know, it can. And you got to consider that um, when you're talking about interest rates in the way that the way that it works, there's like a matrix that, um, you know, I'm kind of simplifying this for you, but credit score in relation to down payment. So if you have a, a medium kind of credit score, something in the mid 600s or 700, if you have a really low down payment on a conventional loan, you get absolutely hammered for that. If you have a really big down payment or a lot of equity, we're going to forgive you a little bit for that um, kind of middle of the road credit score. If you're going to end up in a situation like that, FHA, the change in FHA for a 620 credit score versus a 720 credit score is like negligible. It's hardly even gotcha. worth considering. So depends on the product that you're going for and how much down payment you have. Uh, but, but um, you know, the other thing, people are always really surprised um, to find out that the consumer credit agencies where we can kind of see our score, that whole, you know, my my credit card, I log into my Capital One and I got this like RPM gauge looking thing that's like your credit scores, you know, maxing out up here. And then I right. run your credit. We use a... Um, the bureaus, you know, we use Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, all the same, but people fail to realize that all three of those bureaus offer dozens of models and the models that they use can be, you know, lenient or more strict depending on the kind of criteria. So when you're, you know, and I think it's fascinating that it works this way, but like if you're a car dealer, you can choose to use a TransUnion uh, report only, you know, instead of getting three bureaus, use just TransUnion and then select one of the models that is really lenient and produces high scores that doesn't care a lot about the diversity of the types of trade lines and things like that. And oftentimes those are the ones that um, they pick so that you can have an 800 credit score and get you in that car. And then I in wasn't the, aware of that. Is that the same thing for houses? Well, like, you have different models to pick from. Yeah, so there's a, there's a handful of models that uh, mortgage companies use that are deemed to be a little bit more in line with um, the credit risk evaluation of of what somebody needs to consider when they're when they're going to be um, loaning somebody a half a million dollars. So as you could imagine, it's probably a little bit different criteria, right? If you're coming in to buy a car or get a student loan or buy a home. You're going to be looking at the credit kind of a little bit different. So, but all in all, I got to tell you. Um, so, so bottom line is, most people. This is true about eighty percent of the time. They're looking at their Discover card or their Capital One card, and they're being told, "Oh, I use a credit monitoring service. My credit score is seven sixty." And then they get a mortgage company runs their credit and sees that it's 720. Those things are almost always generous to the upside. And so we find ourselves having this conversation about how it's a little bit different. Um, and in your case, when you are talking about you know the difference, so you have a 640 and it might be due to a lack of some of that diversity. So adding a credit card into the mix will likely boost your score. My experience is it usually takes a few months, as many as four to six months before you 
um, do actually see that. Uh, oftentimes, yeah, five months yeah. uh, is, is, is what it would take to, to five months of making payments on time and keeping yeah. it under like 30%. And then lastly, the question, I'm, I'm when I'm getting ready to buy a truck, should I hold off for a debt-to-income ratio scenario uh, on that? I currently have an auto loan. It's only like twelve grand left. I'm only going to buy like a $25,000 truck, and, and I make well over $100,000 a year. Should I? Is that going to really affect me? Yeah, yeah, it really it honestly does. For your benefit and everybody listening, auto loans are wild in terms of you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of worth of mortgage debt is going to cost you about five hundred bucks a month. So when you buy an auto loan that ends up with a five hundred dollar a month payment, and that's probably right about where you're going to land on a twenty five thousand dollar truck. So you have a five hundred dollar a month payment. That means that's equivalent to a hundred grand of affordability or qualification kind of headroom on the mortgage world. So it absolutely has a big impact for most people. That being said, you're self-employed and you own your business. Is it possible that this truck you're buying can be paid for by the business? It is. It is. It is possible. Um, I. I made about 161000 last year, um, and I'd have no other debt except for that. But, yes, it can be paid for by the business. The When it's paid for by the business, it can be excluded from your personal debt-to-income ratio when qualifying. But then it reduces the business Do I have to register business in the profit. business name? Is that how that works? Uh, no, we don't actually know or care how it's registered in terms of the mortgage qualification all we want to know is that it is paid for by a, one of the bona fide business accounts so you're writing a check from the business to pay the mortgage to pay the auto loan um, and and usually what we'll want is proof of that from inception of the loan um, to current. So if you're just getting it, it, it won't be that hard to demonstrate that, Hey, you know, so yeah, he's only had it for three months, but for three months, the business has paid the, the payment. Um, and Dan, you're right. It, it does. It, re- it reduces the income of the business. However, um, if you're self-employed, depending on how you're structured, if you're a schedule C or whatever, we're going to use the last two years of tax transfer qualification anyway. So there's a little bit of a window here where you're straddling something where it's a newly acquired debt being paid for by the business. And we're looking at the historical earnings of the business. So you'd kind of have that advantage that until it was, you know, in your next year's filings, we're going to see that 6,000 bucks came out of the business to service the debt of the uh, auto loan. But Right. So there anyhow, there's um, there could be some advantage in there to go that way. But, yeah, in terms of what it means to you titling that car or having it, you know, anything like that with the business or increasing the the liability of the business or something, we don't we don't care in the mortgage world about those things at all that that how it's titled and those things maybe the IRS cares about that with you but all we want to know is that it's you claim it you know who's paying for it yeah who's paying for it who's you, paying you the make payment? you make the claim that hey this is a business vehicle paid for by the business i just didn't get a business loan i have a personal loan so i need it excluded from my debt to income ratio that's common practice we see that a lot okay all right well, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate it because I'm getting ready to buy a house, and I'm obviously going to go through you guys, and I wasn't sure how I should 
maneuver over the next few months. Yeah, um, perfect. I love it. That getting getting ready to buy a house and getting your ducks in a row is great. Um, Anthony, we'll we'll let you off the phone. Keep listening for a few more minutes here. I want I want to talk about um, that your that credit card that you got going on. I, I want to describe to you and everybody else what the most bang for the buck is on a using a credit card. So thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Thanks. Credit cards. Anthony made the comment that he was told. In four or five months of using it and paying on time, keeping the balance below 30%, he's going to have a boost in his credit score. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mostly agree with that. Um, I'm going to go one step farther. Here's the deal. When we run your credit, we see the snapshot on the most recent reporting. Okay, It tells us, boom, same thing for every account doesn't matter it's discover it's american express it's you know capital one it's whatever it's a snapshot at the last time they reported to the bureaus they tell them when it was opened and this matters the older the account kind of the more mature your credit the better um so when it was opened tell us what your available credit is hey now this is a credit card that was opened in january it's got $10,000 um, high limit, okay? It, the next one tells us uh, what the highest it ever was. So if it's 10000 bucks and the balance is zero and the high credit you ever used is 50 bucks, you've not exactly demonstrated that you're capable of wielding $10,000 of of debt. purchase power, debt, paying it off, showing us that you're not one wild trip to the Bahamas away from having a maxed out credit card that you can't afford to pay. So what it that high credit in relation to the available credit is a big deal. So um, and then lastly, we're we're told that what the current balance is and what the payment required is, you know, and then of course whether or not it's late. Those things all matter. But so here's the deal. Uh, Anthony, cash guy, a lot of people this way, don't want to use credit cards all the time. Credit cards cause problems. They they generally do. It's easy to swipe, get down to the end of the month. You're like, holy crap. I, in my mind, in my heart, I think I'm getting a $400 credit card bill. All of a sudden, I get a $1,500 credit card bill. And then you get, here goes the cycle, right? Oh, okay. Well, 1500 bucks is all of my extra money, so I got to pay this stupid thing off. And now guess what? Lunch on Monday, gas on Tuesday, dentist copay on Wednesday. You don't have the cash. You got to pay that whole bill. They're going back on the card. Now here you're in that nasty cycle. For that reason, I hate credit cards, okay? But most bang for the buck, in my example of having that $10,000 credit card, go use it for four or five or six or eight or 10000 bucks. Use it strategically. Use it on something that you maybe you were going to pay cash anyway, but just I'm going to try to get it close to that high available. Then I'm going to pay it off. And then after that, I won't even use the stupid thing again. It's that's it. Now all it matters is okay, they gave me 10 grand. I demonstrated that I can use 10 grand and pay 10 grand back. And now I've had it for X amount of months. That's. There's all of the beauty of your credit card right there. Guess what I don't know about your credit card? Guess what I don't know? 
that Dan pays his credit card off in full every month, and he has for 52 months. I have no idea. It could have been at zero for 52 months. I understand, and you're looking at me like we need to talk about this because <laughs> I know that that they're beginning to figure out how to incorporate some of that more intuitive data into the way that people use credit. But mm-hmm. right now, and for people like Anthony, you still got to use these old rules. Using the credit card, like a lot of times people are like, oh, just use the credit card and pay it off every month and I'm building my credit. It can be the exact opposite if you are, you know, sometimes in like for Anthony, that could be a $1,500 credit card. So now it's not hard, especially when you own your business, make more than hundred grand a year, you could max out that thing. And now, even though you pay it off every month, if they upload to the bureau, oh, this guy's got you know a $1,500 credit card that he owes $1,500 on, and that's what you see, your credit score is hammered. They don't know that the next day you pay it in full and it's you know it's not reported at that zero when we run the credit. Looks like you have a max out credit card. Your score is like you have a max out credit card. So having using these things generally um, is not a good deal. I usually tell people if you're trying to build your credit profile, follow my advice of getting it near the high limit, paying the thing off, and then don't even use it anymore. You know, maybe once a year, dust it off to show some recent activity of just a tank of gas, pay it off. But Mm -hmm. unless you're getting big rewards, most people, unless you're getting airline miles, most people have no business trying to use credit cards for credit building. It's just, it's not, it's not a potent thing. Um, Top of the hour break, guys. We got about five minutes out uh, and then we'll be back with a whole nother hour. So hopefully you'll stick around. There's more to talk about. Um, maybe we'll revisit Dan's busted bracket that's still laying here on the desk. All right. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Makes me want to get out of my chair and start like dancing in a puddle or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that? I never went and saw it or anything, but wasn't that like the dancing? They they danced on like Broadway, like in a puddle, right? Wasn't that a thing? But it got River the stage dance, wet. Maybe and I don't know. The water around. Maybe it's River Dance, yes. But this isn't River Dance. No, I know. But, uh, this is Titanic. It's from Titanic. This is the yeah. bar scene in Titanic. Right, where Jack goes down and has a lot of fun in third class. Or Rose goes down. Yeah, Rose yeah. Rose goes down. Rose puts her goes hair down. down a little with the common folk. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You're so stupid, Rose. 
doing a little more research over here on the payroll component of QuickBooks. Yeah, now all of a sudden I hope none of our employees are listening, guys. Well, okay, okay, let's hang on. I've got news. Okay. Um, because as it, we were talking about this issue, my mother texted me to tell me that her paycheck changed. Our most loyal listener, by the way. Yeah, she is. Thank you so much. Um, so her paycheck changed, but I'm now, so now I'm in like the Intuit, you know, which is the, the company that produces QuickBooks in their community forum here thing. Mm -hmm. And it was updated 11 days ago. Okay. This article that says the IRS has released the updated withholdings tables and all Intuit payroll products have been updated with the current federal tax tables for 2018. So that was 11 days ago. So I would think that it would have affected this 315 payroll that we had, but it didn't. And I did not see a payroll update occur. So maybe I need to proactively ask for the update or how to do it. Usually any updates to the software are just, you know, they're automatic. They happen when you try to log into the particular service. Anyway, not that all of you care. Some of you do. I do. I'll be following up on that next week. I do. <laughs> I'd like a few extra bucks in my paycheck. Hunter, two hundred bucks more yeah. in a paycheck? I'll take it. You kidding me? That's like a free tank of gas, bud. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe a lot of people are getting payroll through payroll services that haven't updated checks, and that's affecting retail sales. Yes. I don't know. Yes. It could be nationally. Who you know the other thing, too? You know what else it could be? I was, this week, I was, uh, I've been tripping out more and more about the phones lately. How our culture is just head down in a smartphone all day, every day. You guys recognize this? Everywhere you go, people are just Everywhere into you it. go. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, and I got to admit, like I had a, a couple of things on my phone that would call my attention to it. Like I'd have, I'd find myself like a downtime, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for something and you know, I don't know. I think you used to, what did you used to do? Like, you know, I know if you were waiting at the dentist's office or something, they always had some people right. magazine yeah. or something, you'd grab something, read a quick article or whatever, right. but but today, um, no matter what people are like, if you're waiting in line at the bank or, you know, you're waiting on the waitress to come take your order They're or like whatever, on everybody's phone. on the phone, you know? Yeah. And so I deleted all those mm. non-essential apps off my phone that don't affect my ability to do business, mm. um, you know, basically just trying to, to free it up a little bit mm -hmm. and really realize that... Uh, if you refused today to have a smartphone, mm -hmm. uh, you'd have so much trouble. And we're we're heading into this like the the new life where it's like you got your Uber app and yeah. your banking app and your fitness app and you got you know everything with the email and you're just you're so dependent on these devices at all times now. It's kind I of really crazy. try not to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you had to go back to a flip phone right now. I still have one. <laughs> Do you a flip phone guy? Yeah. yeah. So and you I, you and I prefer a... it because I don't really care about all this other stuff. 
Yeah. So, so you've done a good job then of not getting swept away in it. I right. I, I find myself just disappointed yeah. in in myself and others where I'm just like, look at everybody's just head yeah. down in their phone all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I'm old now. Maybe I just... No, it makes me think of the Super Bowl, right? When... There's that kid who got his 15 minutes of fame because Justin Timberlake is literally dancing and singing right next to him. And he's looking at his phone like, dude, real life is happening right next to you. You're on the field. (laughs) You're the most famous person in the world right now. And you're looking at your phone. That was such a perfect (laughs) image of today's society. Is that on the web? It's hilarious. Or, you know, I'm thinking back to like the... The Kentucky Derby a couple of years ago when it was, you know, cover of Sports Illustrated comes out. And I think it was the Kentucky Derby where the Triple Crown was, you know, finally won for the first time in, you know, 40 years or whatever it was. Um, And the cover of Sports Illustrated highlighting this moment, it was like, you know, from a few rows up in the stands looking across the finish line, the horses racing across and the lower half of the picture was all of the crowd with everyone with their phone in the air um, recording it. And I'm like, dude, you guys need to put your phones down. You're watching history with your own eyes. And you missed it. And there's going to be a better recording available to you by right. a professional mm-hmm. news service. Totally. It's going to be way better quality and a way better angle than what you're getting with your phone. Not to mention... Watch it with your own eyes, people. Well, that, yeah, and, ju- <laughs> and just be in the minute. You're there. Yeah. You're yeah, not right? You're not there it's a, it's to film. You're there to... It's your brain a lifetime. To <laughs> see, smell, yeah. hear, feel the horses, right? right. I mean, you live in the moment. That's I've, the... F- I've never been a slave to my phone, thank God. No. And I'm, I've, yeah, it's just, it just, there's something about the seeing it and being there and experiencing that. In fact, I don't even have to have my cell phone with me all the time. I, I, I I can leave it at home. Did I tell you, did I tell you about that, uh, the circle, I think it was called. Did I tell you about that? The, that was the a movie, movie I watched. Or and I'm not recommending that you watch it, but it's basically um, about a. It's like an app, like an online app type of thing that just does everything. And they're like lobbying the government, gets too powerful and corrupt, whatever. It seems like a good idea that just was poorly executed. But I just see us in the future where we're so dependent on phones that you can't not have one. But what if you had to go back to a flip phone? No, I mean, there's a lot of great things that the smartphones offer today to make life a little more convenient. But to just, I don't know, there's there's other parts of it that I think are aren't enhancing the life that we live. Yeah. So, well, I remember, I, I remember, like at at work, you know, ten plus years ago had like a palm pilot or a blackberry that was like the big the big thing right have your blackberry and um be so frustrating if somebody sent you a pdf and you couldn't see it um or if or if you needed to send somebody a pdf but like that was the thing is like you'd be you'd be at like a business lunch and you're waiting for something really important in an email and now you can see the email and you can see that there's an attachment on it but you can't look at the attachment right 
I can't wait to get back to my desk to solve this problem because yeah. I need my actual computer to do that. Whereas today you can on the fly, right? Not only can you get the email, you can open the attachment, you can save the attachment, you can create another email with the other people and then attach it right off the phone. It's wild. They're so powerful. Um, and it is great, you know? Like I, I find myself, you know, sometimes I'll grab my phone Sunday night at 8 o'clock and I'll have an email from somebody, you know, with a work thing that's like, hey, I can you... I need a pre-approval letter or I have this question about this house or something. And I'm like, oh, so easy for me to be able to respond to you. And yeah. and I know that people love that, you know, it, especially in a world where, um, you know, we are all so available. So, you know, and I don't mind. There's definitely times where I try to completely unplug. But if I see that you have a need at nine o'clock on a Sunday night, I, I'm if I have the time, I don't care. I'll respond to you. But well, and we're in a type of business that's not just eight to five Monday through Friday. It's people. You can see it for your point to of be, view for you guys. This year. Yeah, it's really a twenty-four hour type of business that we have to be available. Mm-hmm. We've got a caller waiting on the line. We've got Don calling from San Luis Obispo. Yes, earlier in the uh, program we were talking about inflation, and I think inflation is not the real concern for the moment. Um, it seems to me, at least from what I hear. Um, there are too many parts of the economy that are still not uh, participating. Um, steel, uh, coal, I think more or less been out of action for several years, and I think the search for petroleum is off the last couple of years. Things like, even though construction is coming alive, it seems that uh, housing is not caught up. Several states are saying they simply don't have the units to keep down the price of uh, rent and you know purchases of the housing. Mm-hmm. I come back to something I've said before. There's some really smart people about the economy in our culture. We call them bankers. Mm-hmm. And so far, they just take our money, and they don't have to pay for it. I think it's because they just don't have the kinds of activities where people are coming and borrowing these uh, large projects. Uh, I don't know even that uh, the entertainment community, Hollywood and such, is going to be making um, big borrowing for uh, film, as they have done in the past. We'll see how all that goes. But it, it just seems to me that uh, some parts are doing well, but some parts have lagged behind. The drought has hurt some uh, well and freezing, have hurt some of the agricultural areas, so that they're either not getting the money they once got or they're not able to produce the proper amount. You know, the volume is important if you're in agriculture. Um, in particular, maybe uh, exporting, but nonetheless, even on the domestic level, I'm, um, I guess I have a curiosity about what you gentlemen think about it, but in a way, I've sort of formed an opinion, as I sometimes say, when my banker's willing to pay for my money, that means the economy's pretty good. And until he does, it's still not really a sound. So I don't think inflation is really right around the corner. It doesn't seem like it. I, I think that I agree with you. The All the inflation metrics seem to support that it's just slow and steady, even under target, if anything. Um, and so that's probably going to continue our fed on the path there on, um, I, I watched and read this week, a couple of different people now talking about the bubble, um, that exists within the stock market and the economy and how we're headed into a correction. And I, I love, I always love to hear it. It's like, they want to be the, the first people out to predict it, right? Well, I saw it coming, yeah. you know, back then and. Uh, so this one I saw this week was a gentleman, I forget his name, seemed like he'd been around the block for a while. He said um, that the stock market generally always peaks about a year to a year and a half 
before the broader uh, recession hits and is basically claiming that that's what we just had. You saw that the big peak of that, you know, when we were in that 27,000 range and that that um, will definitely be the high watermark and that will go through this this period of recession. And, um, you know, who knows if that means there's another year and a half or something like that to go in the economy, then um, before things start to change. Uh, that's an interesting thing to me in terms of, you know, those parts of the economy, like you're talking about uh, steel, oil, coal, you know, I know like Dan and I have had plenty of conversations, you know, off the air among each other about whether or not the, the U S economy has just changed and are failing to move on. So, so, you know, and you think about this like, well, 50 years ago, U.S. was uh, better at manufacturing, had more of these jobs, had more steel jobs, had you know a, a more robust coal industry and was, was actually searching out and you know doing more petroleum type of business. So you look at all that and say, yeah, um, understood. And so should your energy be spent in getting back to that place? And making those a part of today's economy, a, a robust, vibrant economy that is based on manufacturing and steel and oil. and Or do you accept that in the evolution of things and the way that the U.S. is ahead of some of the other less industrialized nations, different places that maybe have those economies in place? Do you let it go and shift into more of the, you know, the services and you or know. different type? I mean, a lot of those things that you brought up were energy related. I mean, maybe we're focusing more on solar and wind and wave sure. and, you know, trying to find new emerging energy sources versus. I, and that's a, that's just a thing ones. I always wonder about is that is is the right gameplay to attempt to get us back to that point? You know, oh, let's get let's figure out how to retool and be the manufacturing um, base of the world um, like we used to be. I think you're kind of vulnerable as long as, well, I'll try to state it this way. If you have mining, refining, and manufacturing going on in a nation, you can't have, uh, at least so easily, other people pull the plug on you. Somebody like Russia, for example, they uh, sometimes have a vibrant economy, but it's not a full economy. You know, they, they they sell petroleum and that sort of thing. And it's um, a vulnerable economy, and they have found that to be a problematic as time went along. The things that you uh, are saying are, are logical, and I'm not sure that I know about the bubble, um, at least for certain. I am hearing that for the first time in a long time, people get a raise or a promotion, a few extra bucks. They are beginning to save it, and sometimes they put it in the stock market. That can, well, as you know, that can cause an overblown stock market, but it's not necessarily a point of bad health. That is just an overshot, you know. You just yeah. and it can weaken a little without really telling its toll against the economy as a whole or against the family that you know trying to retire that kind of thing. Yeah, I'll hang up and let you continue. But interesting conversation as always. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Don. Thanks. Thanks for your input and sparking a new portion of the conversation here. I was looking up. Um, historical steel production in the United States. And it, I found a graph here that dates back to 1968. It looks like, you know, through that late 60s, through the 70s, we were producing steel. You know, it's a it's an up and down line here, but l- let's say somewhere around 11,000 
tons per year. Um, or I don't know, that can't be right. It's 11,000 thousand tons. So what's that? 11 million, 11 million tons. That's what it looks like. Anyway. Um, now we're, we're running for since basically around 84 ish. It looks like there was a significant drop off. And since that time, it's been very steady. I mean, all the way to today, um, except for what appears to be a little hiccup in about 2008, nine or 10. Um, Mm -hmm. it looks like we're now around 7,000 thousand tons so seven million i hope i'm reading this graph right but you know so what's that about a 40 percent decline 40 percent ish decline yeah in production but it looks like this was due to some change in policy i don't know some change occurred back in the early 80s but since that time not, there's been no real significant change in steel production kind well, of interesting I didn't know that. I think when you do go, if you really went down that rabbit hole to find out what's up, I mean, some of these things have changed because of, um, you know, environmental regulations or things where, Could have been. Um, you know, as we're sitting here, I was trying to look out the window. You can't quite see it from here. But when I was my time at Cal Poly, one of the things we um, talked about was that, did you guys know that in this area over here by Islay Hills, there's a spot, um, it used to be one of the largest chromium mines in the U.S. A lot of those like muscle car bumpers, like the chrome bumpers, are mm-hmm. good old-fashioned chrome coming right out of the, the Islay Hill over here in San Luis. I didn't know that. Yeah. I can see if I can find a picture of it. Um, there's When you look at it, there's still a spot where um, you can see where like the old mine entrance is, where it kind of like dug into the side of the hill over there that uh, anyhow, that was what I was told at Cal Poly. Obviously, I wasn't around back then to know that, but um, it was it was an issue of pollutants, right? It was also it was a it's a volatile, messy, polluting thing. So they got some environmental pressure at the same time. We don't have chrome bumpers anymore. <laughs> That's like, think about that. Like those 80s cars were like the death of like the high chrome bumpers started moving into the plastics and fiberglasses, right? So like when you're looking at that thing, Dan, in 84, same thing. That's when plastics are also starting to take a good hold too. So maybe... You know, maybe it's a combination of things that's a little bit environmental, but it's also a little bit of a shift in the the affordability and ease of using plastics as substitutes. And then in like looking at your graph in that area of 2008, 9, 10, um, we weren't manufacturing mm-hmm. steel for buildings, steel for autos, steel for tractors and caterpillars and, you know, all those big things. We weren't building those things. We were in a that cycle of... Um, you know, just trying to figure it out instead of, um, is that it right there? The, the I is like, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, crazy. Hmm. So yeah, anyways, there wasn't that I think kind things... of activity. There was not that need for those products that were yeah. you know, made by steel. Right. You know, it, and interestingly here, I've, because I'm, I'm now, this topic's been brought up by Don, which I really appreciate. Um, I'm looking at a similar chart for coal production, which dates all the way back to 1870. And this one's fairly um upward 
over the whole history, it looks like, you know, yeah. we kind of plateaued maybe from the 1910s to the 1960s. But since 1960, a major steep upward trend in coal production. Um, and it looks like, you know, the, this graph maybe cuts off around 2012. And of course, that was right during the recovery where there's a steep downward since you know, from about 2008 to 2012. And that's where that graph cuts off. And then I looking at petroleum production, which goes back to 1860. This one is another fairly steady increase. We had some declining about that same eighties era, uh, started to see declining production all the way, you know, through about 2010 or so. And then since 2010, um, uh, or maybe 2005 or 10, a, a steep increase back to about our high watermark of uh, barrels per day of crude oil production in the U.S. So interesting that, um, you know, there's less people employed in those industries, but not necessarily less production. Although steel, obviously, there's lower production than its peak time. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting stuff there. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I wonder how whether the strategy of trying to regain jobs in those sectors where maybe the economy and the just the world in general is kind of moving away from those industries, is that really where efforts should be focused or should it be focused on those new emerging? It's hard areas? to say, right? I mean, it, it makes me think that there's not necessarily a perfect answer. Um, so I was... Uh, kind of ranting about the cell phone a little bit earlier and um there was a point to it about how the cell phone you know we're all head down on the cell phone it, it's it's like uh you know it's provided some great value it's also um i think could it, it's possibly uh one of the damaging things just to humanity and interaction and like, you know, just social norms are changing right now. Um, I like thinking about, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, think about, uh, you know, go talk to any old guy, um, the news, the nightly news or the radio, like the fireside chats, for example, um, there was, wasn't all the options, you know? So there you had like the television shows, late night shows were relevant. And, you know, if, if you watched those, everybody in America that watched those kind of got the same info. Um, did you watch that show Mad Men? Yeah. Oh, yeah. About Great advertising yeah. and, and the, the kind of the culture around that advertising piece. Um, then think about today. Um, when we're looking at this bigger economy, trying to figure out retail sales, why are you earning more money and you're not spending more? We don't understand that. For 60 years, we've tracked that, and we know that when you earn more, you spend more. And there's some part of me that is like, well, you know what's the, you know what the problem is? People like me now, in, and I'm, you know, I'm about to turn 40 as well, so I know I'm in that generation where it's not, it wasn't there. Like I didn't have a cell phone when I was in high school. Kids, some of these kids today, like my daughter says in her third grade class, every single kid in the class, except for her, <laughs> has an iPhone. Wow. Yeah, in third grade. So you imagine that there's these generations now that that's a staple of their life from the time they're in grade school on. Um, how much of 
the lack of consumer spending and these things are also just people that are overwhelmed now. You know what? There's too much noise. Everywhere I look now, I talk to you. I talk to you in the car about the fact that my washing machine is on the fritz. And then I open up my computer and I got a pop up that here's a washing machine. And so then I click it. Yeah, I'm in the market anyway. What's what? Is, how much is a washing machine today? And then I click it. And now for 30 days, everywhere I go, I got ads chasing me down for a washing machine. Um, all you'll even get something in the mail now at the house that's like, hey, well, uh, Idlers is aware that you are interested in a washing machine, and so we here's the thing where there's a sale we're having. We're so bombarded and overwhelmed now by marketing and frenzy and media that I think more and more people are starting to go, hey, wait a minute. This stuff's totally taking control of my life now. What I really want is just like some downtime away from it. Well, I was going to interject about this new large group of, of spenders, the millennials, right? Uh-huh. They're They're becoming the working age, graduating from college, getting jobs. They now have money to spend. Um, They've grown up watching their parents and others in their lives go through a very tough economic time. So everything you hear about them is that they're very cautious about spending. Um, They do a lot of research before buying. Um, They're much more debt adverse and savvy to interest rates on credit cards and how it's a it's a tough cycle to get out of if you're in that credit card debt they've they've grown up with you know front row seat of watching these tough economic times and so they're more aware and more savvy about that stuff and also you all the thing that i hear about them a lot is they're much more experience driven the things they do want to spend money on are like you know vacations or these experiences not necessarily products and things they're they're less yeah. thing oriented and more experience oriented um so maybe you know that's affecting savings rates and spending rates and things like that because that's that is a big segment of the the you know population with disposable disposable cash now yeah so just you know the ever changing world well the other thing too <clears throat> is I I find myself reluctant to buy something, especially if it's electronic or otherwise, where I'm like, wait a minute. It's going to be outdated tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> or half half the price tomorrow. Right. That's it. Um, it just takes a minute. Somebody comes to market. Oh, this is a 4K TV. Oh, it's, you know, super LED backlit, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's four grand. And then you're like, at next year's Black Friday, the thing's going to be 900 bucks. Well, and furthermore, Charter only delivers quality in 720 still, or whatever, you know? So I often... Why do I need the 4K? Oftentimes for me, I, I find myself evaluating whether or not I want to make that purchase, and then I'm like, you know what? I don't think now, especially if the thing that I have is still working, it's like, yeah, because if you can get your cell phone to go one more year... There's going to be four better models next year. If you can get your refrigerator, you know, we're looking at refrigerators right now. My refrigerator's working, but we just, you know, have refrigerator envy. So we've been looking for at least a year. You know, these refrigerators now have a like 
a touchscreen thing on the front of it that plays you, like you can have it play you things and it will like market to you in your yeah. kitchen now. Oh, no, you can like check the weather on your refrigerator yeah. and they're like, and then they brag, oh, this refrigerator is like Alexa ready. So you can just go, hey, refrigerator, what's the weather like? <laughs> you can see what's in a refrigerator without that's opening the refrigerator. Yeah, and that's what I need yeah. is a Bluetooth toaster. Because I just need to be able to know from the couch what my toaster's doing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. It is. This is crazy. We're in a crazy time. And then, like I said, that's the thing is you, so you go, okay. I'd be. Yeah, you know your fr- your refrigerator may be listening right now too, Jason. Right. It probably saying, mine's you know, not because I saying, have a dumb refrigerator. Might be saying, you know what? He's looking for another one. I'm just gonna stop today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, see how he likes spoiled milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We gotta we gotta take a break here. I'm enjoying this conversation, and uh, but we do need to take a break. Did you hear, by the way, <laughs> that Amazon is planning on getting into the mortgage world now? Love Amazon Great. Financial Services. Great. Interesting. All right. We need to take a break. We're having a great conversation here. If you'd like to participate, give us a call, 543-8830. We're going to step aside just for a couple minutes to give a little time for our sponsors, and we'll be back. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-396-08. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Yeah. Or at this, now that it's what? It's 11. Yeah. It's 1040. For most so, people, it's over already. Yeah, no, for most people, it's St. <laughs> Patrick's Day right now. <laughs> yeah. Happy, happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. It's a green beer. Yeah. Anyway. Happy oh. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Irish... Irish drinking day. Yeah. <laughs> we should go grab a Guinness after this. Yeah. I had a race up to the field in a Tascadero. Practice? Yeah, practice because the sun's out. Yeah, get it in while you can, huh? Because it's supposed yeah. to rain a little more next week. Right, and then we're going to be like thrown into the first games with minimal practice under the belt. At this mm-hmm. point, we've been rained off more than we've actually been able to practice. Yeah. And it's a big deal. This is a this is the Babe Ruth team. So this is ninety foot bases, and oh, some of cool. these kids are. Uh, this is their first experience with that. So we we need them on the field. Like, hey, get over there at third. It's a longer throw. Yes, today it's Lake Third. I know. Stand right in front of the lake. You got to throw this thing over here to first base. That's a good throw. So yeah. it's a uh, yeah. Anyways, we're gonna go try to squeeze one in. I hope it. Holds off long enough. I think it's going to. Yeah, it's uh, if anything, I think showers were maybe. A yeah, practice. Uh, practice starts at eleven. So well, I had heard Ooh. it was. Uh, I had heard it was supposed to be raining at ten. Well, that's not happening. No, clearly not. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. during the break, we were having a fun conversation <laughs> we're continuing about continuing uh, <laughs> where the world's going, and <laughs> yeah, just did you guys ever see that movie? It was like a. I think maybe it was Pixar. Maybe it was DreamWorks. It's like the people are like in space and they're like floating in these like recliners where they're just all fat because they never walk or anything. I saw a movie with Bruce Willis, I think, that was like that, where people like plugged in in their recliner in their living room and they never left their house uh, and just they lived these virtual lives. It was Wally. It was Wally. Wally. Did you see Wally? Wally. They're like, they're like, Basically orbiting Earth now in these like people holders where they're kind of plugged into a virtual reality thing. So like they're just fat and non-ambulatories are <laughs> just floating around. And they had to go there because Earth was so polluted and just destroyed. They like totally destroyed it as a host. So no choice but to be up in space floating in these things of like, you know, on virtual reality. And... um it's so easy to see that that's like a yeah. other than the floating in space thing getting this place right now where um people working from home shopping yeah. from home you don't even need to leave your house anymore you know banking from home doing it all from home yeah it's kind of <laughs> sad actually it's weird yeah unless you like to be alone and not be bothered by people <laughs> interact with and lines and like time, get no. germs and time. things like that yeah, so Amazon, they're um, starting to get into the news in the last couple of days that they want to get into financial services. But, you know, last couple of years, we heard that um, Zillow was going to try to, you know, do loans and Google was going to try to get into financial services and stuff like that, right? So Amazon, they're saying Amazon's likely to, to get into this space, but they're probably going to do it with a partnership with a, a you know an existing kind of huge bank so they may partner with Chase for example 
and then you'll just have your through your Amazon life, you'll just have this new financial relationship with them. And um, need, it's need more tide. We'll put it on the equity line. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, interesting. So I, I'll have to explain this a little bit to you guys, but um, there's this loan. I think it's called the All in One, right? Yeah. It's like popular in New Zealand, a little bit in the UK. It's a unique um, product that we offer that we don't talk about too, too much. Cause no, because it's, it's weird. It's weird and you need to... It, you know, Honestly, I think the biggest thing is is that it, it takes a, um education with the borrower, but also the loan officer really needs to understand this well and be able to talk about it. But here's the general idea of it. The all-in-one is like a bank account... And it's like um, a mortgage that's like a home equity line of credit, but it's also your bank account. So here's what happens. You have a $400,000 loan, and let's just say that your take-home pay for you and your spouse is 10000 bucks a month. You have your paycheck direct deposited into that account that is your mortgage. So now you your $400,000 loan on day you know, payday turns into a $390,000 loan and you then have a debit card on there. So when you go to the grocery store, you go to the restaurant, you go get a tank of gas, whatever, those incidental charges are adding back to that, that mortgage. Now, maybe you finish the month out at 395. So, you could get it, like if you, so. You need cash. You can literally go to the ATM and you could get some cash out and and kind of be increasing that loan balance, right? Kind of going backwards on the progress that you'd made. But let's just say that you don't. You wouldn't have paid five grand on your mortgage this month. So the fact that you're doing this is is um, this is the argument for a consumer that really understands this loan. They're greatly reducing their daily interest cost. On a traditional mortgage, you would pay the couple thousand bucks on the $400,000 loan and be accruing interest every day. On this loan, you would pay, you know, 10,000 bucks against the mortgage on day one. As you grow it back over the course of the month, you've paid interest on 390, not 398. And so over time, there's some advantage to you. I'm thinking of another person, by the way, too. Um, what if you were like a salesperson that, maybe had monthly or quarterly windfall checks. You might make 200 grand a year, but you make like 50,000 bucks every four months. Um, great idea here. Give me that lump sum, pay the loan down by 50 grand, reduce my interest costs, use this thing sparingly as I can to get through the months to the next paycheck. You know, So there's some consumer out there that looks at this and goes, that's, a, that's what I need. I don't want to be held to the fire of, you know, making a regular mortgage payment every month. Um, I need something that's more flexible. So, anyways, that's that's the all-in-one product. We have it. We've offered it for years. Um, if one of you guys hears that and wants to learn more about it, call me this week. I'll tell you as much as you want to know. Maybe it's the right fit for you. I don't know. But I'm picturing Amazon doing this, huh? Setting you up. Hey, give us your, here's the deal. We're Amazon. 
now that we do banking and you know they're in they're in the credit card space already right you have an amazon store card amazon credit card they've got all the things so you can now you can get like it's funny i'll go in to buy something um like for my kids or whatever for christmas you make like a 300 hundred dollar purchase and it's like we'll give you zero percent interest for six months and i just laugh like that's hilarious i was i bought three pairs of shoes I don't need 0% interest for six months on shoes. I was actually planning on paying those things off. It's just easy to use this card. Um, Anyhow, they're in that space already. So pretty soon they'll be like, here's the deal. Get your mortgage with us. It's an all-in-one loan. Then when you need cereal, push the little button in your pantry that alerts us that you need more Frosted Flakes. We'll get them in the mail to you. Uh, it'll just be added then to your mortgage. Your paycheck will get deposited, offset it all. If you need money, we'll give you that too. Uh, no big deal. It's just it's all it's all in one now. It's literally your everything. Um, probably pretty soon, you know, the Amazon, Amazon will just sell cars too. It's like, well, here's your car from Amazon, and that's all in your thing too. Why have a car loan when you can just have one Amazon loan? It's crazy. It's probably where it's going. <laughs> it's just so convenient. Yeah. You have all the all the choices. <clears throat> you know what the problem with Amazon too lately though? Hmm. There are too many people that are getting paid to write um bogus reviews on products. That's one Ooh. of the things I really liked about Amazon. Is I would see a product and go, Oh, that looks like a pretty good product. And then I can be like, Oh look, look here. Dan bought one. What does Dan have to say about it? And Dan's like, you know, oh, these these shoes tend to run a little bit small. And, the you know, blah, blah, blah. If you like this, then you'll like that. And I'm like, that's helpful. You know, thanks. Because I, I couldn't even do that in the store. It's not like you're going to be talking to your neighbor. Are these good shoes? Hey, do you own these? I don't want the sales guy's opinion. I want, like, the dude that owns it. But now it's all you can't even trust those anymore. They've They've paid people to give five-star reviews of things and whatever. Anyway, there is a real estate thing to talk about. Want to just start with the headline? Yeah, let's do it. Housing starts tumble. Yeah. Housing starts and building permits numbers are, are things that we're always keeping a close watch on. Um, our call earlier from Don, I guess it was, that was talking about how many states and housing markets are just struggling to have inventory. Uh, largely, this comes from a lack of building. And, you know, just like the uh, when we were looking at the coal mine, steel production, whatever it is, you can look at the challenges of it. What are the challenges? Oftentimes, it's not just one. So if we look at housing starts or why we're not building enough homes, we can see, okay, well, it's a multifaceted problem. There's a scarcity of land. What else? Difficult regulatory environment. Scarcity of profit. I mean, as much as you'd like to think these builders are just making lots of money building homes, they're not. Unless they're doing it at scale, it's it's a risky business. Yeah, and anymore, they're so expensive that a builder um, is probably pretty pumped to clear a 10% profit on a home. So would you like to get involved in a $700,000 house down in Slow that might take you a year 
from start to finish. It's you're going to, and yeah, it is, right? But you're going to be on the hook. And uh, remember, as a builder, too, you always got to be worried that when that economy does change, that you're going to yeah. be the guy holding it because real estate values can correct 10%, can't they, in sure. a year? So, <laughs> yeah, think about that. You're going to make personal guarantees, put in a lot of your own money. This is your. Your job, you're going to work there. You're going to do all this stuff, and at the end of the whole thing, you're going to hope to make ten percent. So seventy grand on the seven thousand dollar house—that's tough, right? That's a thin margin. Sure. And then I think also, um, if you want to know why it's so expensive to build homes, um, start at the beginning. The plans, the permitting. The energy efficiency, compliance stuff, the school fees, the, you know, by you just start adding it all up. It's expensive then to, just to start. So scarcity of land. Got to fix the sidewalks that are in front of your house because we've just been waiting for someone to build that house to fix those sidewalks. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. There's we need a new off ramp over here. Roadway improvement. Want to put that neighborhood in? There's we a need, lot of costs. City's been looking for someone to buy this off ramp. So yeah, there's there's lots going on, and then also labor's expensive now too. Um, looking at the trades, if you guys look at this last recession, people you knew that plumber, electrician, dude that I all my friends were in the trades back then. So it's like you know friends that young guys that were like. 30 years old that owned these companies that did grading. So they owned huge earth movers, you know, they did all this grading for housing tracks all over like, you know, Riverside, San Diego County. Crazy, right? Made a living out of going and pushing around dirt, made a good living, owned these million dollar tractors. All of a sudden, no more grading, lose the tractor, all that. Those dudes now they'd, they got jobs doing other things, get a job at the gas company or whatever, right? So anyhow, um, today, if you need a plumber or a roofer or an electrician or any of those things, they're hard. It's so hard to find somebody today. They're so busy and they're making the money again. They're making a hundred bucks an hour again. It's awesome. Super impressive. Um, so that's a thing too, is that if you have a project, like you're ready to build a home, okay, cool. You got to find yourself a builder and then he's going to, you know, law requires, he's going to sub out X amount of, you know, jobs out there. So he's got to get an electrician. He's got to get a painter. He's got to get a plumber. Um, those guys are all busy and they're a premium. So that makes it more expensive, right? Mm -hmm. So you just see, it's really hard. Um, not to mention, then get on down to it. Like, okay, well, that's the broad picture. How about how about round here? Man, we try to build something anywhere, and people are pissed off. It's urban sprawl, you know. We don't have the roads. We don't have the water. We don't have the infrastructure. Just adding on to that scarcity, driving those prices up. It's hard. So, anyhow. Um, we look at these housing starts, we look at these building permits, they tell us if we're going to get ease in that, um, housing starts fell 7% in February, um, multifamily construction fell by 26.1% in February. Um, 
Multifamily can be a little bit of a vulnerable, vulnerable one, right? Yeah, I saw that it was still up. Multifamily was still up year over year, about 10%. And similar with the single family, it was still up year over year. Um, so it's, you know, we just got to watch the trends and, and see what's going on. Also, you know, weather can impact some of these projects. It could delay things. Yeah. So there's some of that to consider. There's been a lot of cold weather in the Northeast, a little bit of rain here in the West. So those those kinds of events can affect. Well, and still, um, we've done this, we've done a version of this conversation for years on the show, but depending if you want to be uber conservative or just, you know, what I would consider pretty realistic, we need to be building... Um, Somewhere between 1 million on the low side and 2 million homes a year uh, in the U.S. just to keep up with population growth, um, houses that are falling out of inventory that get lost to natural disasters or burned down or just become so old that they're like they need to be bulldozed and rebuilt. And we're not even getting to the, I mean, we're what, at a 900,000 rate is what that the latest report said? Yeah, depending on, like, I see residential bur- uh, building permits were um, an annual pace right now of 1.298 million. So maybe that then is starting to, to uh, register, right? But does it move the needle? And this is the thing. You know, people that, when I have the conversation right now with folks that talk about whether or not this is the time to buy and are we sitting on the edge of another bubble and, and just is it going to pop? We didn't build homes for 10 years. So we have a national housing shortage somewhere of 10 to 20 million units. So the fact that we are have permits in place right now for at least 1.3 million homes that's a good annualized pace of building permits, I'll agree. That's not adding right. back the 10 to 20 million homes that are missing. This is attempting now to serve current demand. So we we have a scarcity problem from here going forward that wasn't created overnight, and it certainly isn't going to be solved overnight. Um, so that's the thing that makes me think that, uh, that's my, probably my biggest anti-bubble talk is that, you know, and like Don said, even the rents are going up because there isn't available units to compete, to hold rents down and you can't build more. So, you know, on goes the cycle. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Uh, appreciate the calls that we got. want to um, just invite you guys, if you, if you want to get pre-approved or come up with a game plan um, to buy a home or refinance a home, we're at that time of year, too, where it's tax season. So if you're self-employed, you might want to say, hey, you know, what does it look like if I file my taxes this way? Or, you know, maybe I write off a little bit less. Um you know, anyway, if you if you feel like you need that help or you want that credit advice, you want that budgeting, you know, kind of come up with a budget and goals and objectives, uh, that's what we love to do. So you can call us this week. 543 Loan rings all of our offices. Uh, we got offices all around the county to help you. Um, you can visit us on the web, centralcoastlending.com. Check out programs and check out interest rates and um, get an idea of 
any of those specific type of loan products that you're interested in, um, you know, from construction loans, mobile home loans, you know, just regular old Fannie Mae loans. We got them all. So um, thanks much for being with us. Uh, we're going to be doing a rerun next week. Don't forget, Jim. we got to go celebrate I won't forget. Danny P's birthday. So right. uh, happy birthday, Dan. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back in a couple weeks.